Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Dr. Claudia Felty, a recovered calorie counter, dessert-loving dietitian, educator, and dog mom who dreams big without diets. A couple of years ago, I met Claudia at Fency during a networking event. I felt as if I had met her before or knew her from some other professional group I was in. Then I remembered how we connected on social media. She had been doing a series of educational videos on a variety of hot topics in nutrition, and I thought they were amazing. While we were talking in person, I learned more about her educational journey to becoming Dr. Claudia and her passion for intuitive and mindful eating. This woman is my intuitive eating go-to and someone I admire for how she is using her expertise in health communications to educate the world on food freedom. Please enjoy my awesome conversation with Claudia. (laughs) Well, why don't you take me back to the beginning of your journey as a registered dietitian and what kind of got you into thinking about wanting to be a dietitian and getting into the nutrition field? Yeah, so I actually, I didn't even know a dietitian was a thing and I didn't even know like that nutrition was could be like a viable career growing up. So that wasn't even something that was on my radar. I actually I went to school for for business before I got into nutrition and I was actually a mortgage broker. Um so I'm a second career dietitian. Um huh. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I did that um I did that for quite some time out in California and um, you know, the mortgage meltdown kind of happened in 2008 and that gave me an opportunity to, to really decide what, what do I really want to do? So I went back to school to finish up some like general science credits and stumbled upon a nutrition class and I just fell in love with it. And I was pretty shocked, um, that I had no idea this was even a career option. So I, I researched it out and found out that uh, Arizona State University offered the dietetics program in the undergrad and then the internship and the master's. And I was like, well, I'm just going to go for it. So I just, I went ahead and finished up those general science credits and transferred everything over to ASU and finished out my bachelor's and then um, decided to stay for the master's and for the combined internship. And then um, through that process, I fell in love with research. So I stayed for my PhD. That's amazing. And it's amazing that you went from such a different career to diet. Were you always kind of a person that enjoyed nutrition and food and health and things like that? Personally? So I think nutrition was one of those things that I never understood. So I didn't grow up understanding what it was. I always struggled with my weight and I never really understood, you know, what was healthy, what wasn't healthy, what, what really you should be eating. I didn't really have any of that guidance. So when I took the nutrition class, I was like, Oh, this is what's been missing. And so I just jumped right into it. So maybe it was a little personal, just kind of quest of your own to understand nutrition better. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was definitely, that was a huge factor to it. And I think 
I think anything that we do that we're able to do with passion has to have some sort of personal relationship with it. I, that's to- completely because you can't really like 100% be vested in something if you don't feel a passion for it. No, you can't. And when I was when I was a mortgage broker, that was not passionate at all. So <laughs> that was very I was going to ask. I was going to ask, like, how you kind of got into that. Was it just something that you kind of fell into doing mortgage and business and things like that, or was it a family business? Or so uh, I actually my 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 stepmom um, at the time uh, was an escrow officer. And so she's, you know, always working with mortgage brokers and things like that. And um, so that's really how I got interested in it. But other than that, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really have a direction. And I was like, well, I can do this as a job that that works until I was afforded the opportunity to, you know, actually pursue my passions. It paid the bills for a little while. Oh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it definitely did. Sometimes we have to do those jobs to figure out, eh, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. So what's yeah, I, next? And I'm definitely one of those people that I have to like I have to do it hands-on to decide if I like it or not. You know, I can't read about it in a book or have someone else tell me about it. Like I have to try it. So I mean I've tried a lot of different professions. <laughs> have you? What else have you tried? I'm interested. Oh goodness. So I've done the mortgage broker thing. Um, I actually, before I, I took the nutrition class, I was thinking about going into nursing. So I got my um, certification as a certified nursing assistant and did that for a while and realized I definitely was not cut out to be a nurse. Um, I thought I could get over my fear of blood without passing out and I could not. So. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no, no, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, no. So, <laughs> definitely sticking with the food. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's true. Oh gosh. Well yeah, you that's interesting how you feel like you really need to kind of get into it. And did you feel like you needed to get into it with nutrition or like get some experience before you kind of went back to school or some shadowing or so I feel like that was it? so personal that I felt like I could just go for it. Huh. It was calling you. Yeah. It, was, it just drug me right like, in. That's in, that's So that was, again, probably a good indication that you were headed in the right direction because you didn't even feel the need to work in it or anything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I did a lot of stuff, um, you know, during like my undergrad and then during uh, the master's and stuff, like different volunteer stuff. So I, I kind of put, I, 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 I use that, portion of my personality during that time. And I definitely realized that that's definitely what the track that I want to do. So what kind of research did you focus on when you are, since you recently have just gotten out of doing research, what did you focus your research on? So my master's and my PhD were very, very different. Um, The master's and I kind of, I, it's, I, kind of cringe at my research right now because I actually, I studied weight loss and smartphone apps. Um, huh. And <laughs> as you know, I'm a non-diet dietitian. Yeah. <laughs> um, at that point, clearly I was not. Uh, <laughs> but I did, yeah. I did learn a lot from that study. Um, and I, I, I took a lot of that, um, the, the information that I learned and I, I used that in my 
um, non-diet work now, knowing how that research really looks from the researcher's perspective. Um, Hmm. And then for my, my PhD work, I actually... I wanted to focus on nutrition communications. So I actually studied the social media competency of registered dietitians. Wow. That's really interesting. How do you study? I mean, how do you study that? So it's, it's brand new. So I was actually the first person to do it. Um, I was able to uh, use some validated research from other fields that, uh, Basically, what they did is they measured social media competency through uh, various um, like self-efficacy, um, a person's ability to understand and relay communication uh, through technology, um, whether or not their, their work supports their ability to do that or not. Um, and I actually I partnered with the School of Journalism. So... ASU has the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism, and I partnered with the faculty there to integrate that with the nutrition department. Wow, that's really interesting. Both, I mean, both are very interesting in how it's developed you as a dietitian. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I have nutrition communications is such an interesting field and it's such a new field um, that I really felt like I was able to, you know, make my mark on that research. And we'll get into kind of more about just you being a dietitian, but I, I always kind of, I'm always interested about people who go and continue their education, you know, getting your master's and getting your PhD. And maybe you can talk a little bit more about people that are considering both options. You know, right now there is going to be a push to go get your master's obviously for the newer dietitians. And then, well, that's going to be a requirement soon, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, for the newer dietitians, but like, say for me or say for someone who's considering going back to school, you know, how do you feel that your further education, you know, do you think that's something that we should all kind of be pursuing and looking at or what do you, because I know you said you like research, so that definitely was perfect for you, but as maybe someone who doesn't love research, but would like to teach or would like to do something else, how do you feel about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I really think it's really individual and I think if you had asked me this before I went in, my answer probably would have been completely different. Um, so, it, because I honestly, like through the PhD, I learned a lot about, you know, why you do a PhD and what that, what jobs usually require a PhD. Um, because obviously you're spending your time and you're spending your money investing into these programs and you need to know what you're going to get out of it. Um, before you go into it, I think is probably the best advice that I could give someone. Sure. Cause I mean, you don't, if you don't need a PhD, it probably, I don't feel and just with my experience that that necessarily is going to be something that propels your career. If it's not needed in the field you want to go into. Yeah, absolutely. If it's not, if it's not what, like, just like you said, if it's not required for what you want to do, then doing it doesn't really make any sense. Um, so for me, it makes sense because I wanted the ability to teach other dietitians how to use social media correctly um, and propel their um, businesses and propel the field forward. 
Um, and I felt that I had the ability to do that using um, the resources that I had at the university that I wouldn't have had anywhere else. That's very true. And I think, well, and I feel like there's a lot of dietitians that are kind of doing this without the education piece. You know, they're trying to definitely help educate dietitians on how to use social media. So how does how does working maybe with you and getting education through you differ from someone that doesn't have that PhD or have that education? Absolutely. So obviously, there's definitely a real world piece to social media. You need to know how to operate the systems and um, propel content through it, which is something that I do in my day-to-day work. Um, that wasn't necessarily a component when I was in the PhD. I was more focused on communication styles and understanding how news media's uh, news media would carry content forward, which I think is a huge component that you're not going to get from somebody um, that only understands you know one platform versus. Um, another instead of having like a whole understanding of communication and how to properly format your messages for your particular audience. Um, and obviously that's something news media has done very, very well for a very long time. Um, and working with those individuals, I think is a huge upside um, because I have a much more in-depth background of how to, um, of how to propel those messages. Um, and I also have a more in-depth understanding of what dietitians need specifically um, because of the fact that, you know, I, I, I conducted the research on a dietitian, nationwide diet, um, dietitian sample that, you know, they were able to tell me, you know, what they did for a living, how much time that they can commit to the platforms, um, where they're struggling, where they're succeeding. So it, it, I think it makes a huge difference. You just have more insight. I mean, you know more of what the average dietitian is actually looking at when they are on their social media platforms and what they're trying to do. Yeah, and I think it, it's also it's a huge benefit for dietitians that maybe, um, you know, they're older dietitians that didn't grow up with social media. Um, having mm-hmm. the ability to communicate how to operate these platforms, I think, is a huge benefit because. Younger dietitians definitely have the advantage on these platforms because they've grown up with them. They've had the experience with them. They're integrated into their lives more. Whereas individuals that are a little bit older, um, you know, a lot of this stuff is brand new and it's foreign. Oh, and they're just like, I don't want to even have, I don't even want to start it because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. It it can definitely feel overwhelming and frustrating if you're not sure where to start. And having a system in place that shows you step by step how to not only start social media, but to build your own brand, if that's what you're desiring is it's it's what propels you forward instead of holding you back. That's kind of true. And have you you I know you have your own business. And I know that were you doing this during kind of your whole schooling too? Like you were working with people and you were still conducting your business? Stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been um, basically since about halfway through my master's, I've been doing nutrition counseling. Um, and then after, um, after that, throughout the PhD, I've been doing nutrition counseling, scientific counseling, um, 
consulting work with companies and businesses and brands. Um, and then after the PhD was when I went ahead and developed the courses specifically for dietitians. That's well, that's awesome. I, well, I did see that you had you've had some different courses that you offer. And what are what are you offering to the public that can help them with their uh, their branding and their business. Absolutely. For dietitians specifically or other uh, related health professionals, I have a social media mastery course available for them. Um, it offers 55 continuing education credits for registered dietitians. Um, personal trainers will also be able to get uh, continuing education or um, physician's assistants or, or doctors if they chose to. Um, I offer that course specifically um, at this time just for dietitians um, or those other health professionals. I don't offer it to the general public because, again, I okay. don't. Um, I want to make sure that the individuals that are relaying the nutrition information um, have the background to do so. I think that's really, really important. Um, as far as classes for the public, um, I have an intuitive eating course that will be coming out in the next couple of months here um, that will serve my nutrition counseling um, clients. Very. That's exciting. How do you... I'm always curious, you know, 55 credit hours, that's a lot of credit it's hours. It's a lot. CEO <laughs> contact hours. Yeah. How do you go about kind of putting together a class like that, that you know, you know, is valuable. I mean, that has to take a lot of work and a lot of time. It does. It definitely does. There's a lot of work, the blood, sweat and tears, a lot of love in that course. Um, <laughs> and obviously, I want everyone to be successful. I think that that's really important. Um, it's not just about here, learn this information. It's let's move you through this information. Now, you're going to put that into practice. And then we're going to figure out what works for your nation, what doesn't. So there's a lot of trial and testing built into the course and you get that support. Um, so it's not just a, you know, a, an online course where you, you, you take it and then you, um, you know, you learn the information and you move on. Um, if you're willing to participate, um, obviously I'm there to support you the whole way. Um, we have like a private private group and I would do um, monthly live streaming in that group so that the uh, students can uh, really dive into the problems that they're facing on social media so that I can assist them directly, which I think is super important. Um, but developing that course, like because I've, I've taught college courses for um, years now, I, course creation is just something that kind of comes natural to me at this point. Oh, I'm sure if you were teaching college classes, and that's probably very easy for you to get to put that together and, and to make that create. Yeah. And I've even, I've even been lucky enough to teach a digital technologies for nutrition communi communications course for the university. So, um, you know, it's very much my specialty area to teach that to nutrition students and to wow. dietitians. I can't believe that's even a course. You know, like when I was going to <laughs> oh, yeah. school. No, I mean, it wasn't available either when I was an undergrad. So I feel like I'm... Yeah. That's one of the things that I really love because I feel like I'm ha helping to pave the way to really important 
information that people need to know to, to, for their private businesses and um, their brands. Like they need to know this information, but it's very hard to get in a university setting. It's just not available. So to be able to help move that forward, it's a huge honor. That's very well, you're very progressive that the school is, you know, you're I'm sure you're saying to the school, let's do this and let's, you know, giving them ideas to kind of do some different things like that. And that's great that they're responding and saying, yes, we agree that this is, should be a component. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm lucky that um, the faculty there are they're fantastic. And I mean, to be honest, I was the first person to create my dissertation in the way that I did in that program. Oh, really? Yeah. So tell me, tell me about that. That's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, nobody before me had ever collaborated with the journalism school. That was completely foreign to them. It wasn't something that they were um, used to the nutrition students doing. Um, I think that they thought that um, maybe it would have been, more appropriate to go to maybe like a journalism PhD, but it just didn't make sense with the way nutrition is communicated. I really felt like I needed the support from the nutrition faculty and the um, journalism faculty. And it, it ended up working out amazingly. So they've, they're now allowing other students to do things that are similar. Um, but I definitely paved the way for that. Um, and it wasn't easy. So <laughs> not i bet you had a lot of conversations and meetings and what was exhausting oh yeah i mean tons of pushback you know because when something's new not everyone agrees with it um not everyone understands it so it's really learning to make your case for something and you know when you know something is right and it needs to be done you just gotta you just have to stick to your guns well, and that shows your passion for it, too. Like you were like, no, this is a space that we need to be in and I really want to pursue it. And sometimes we have to we have to toot our own horns a little bit. And yes. that's hard for dietitians, I think. Yeah, we tend to under toot. <laughs> so. We do. We do. We don't do it enough. And that's I think it's great that you're pioneering that. Space. Oh, thank you. Hopefully it kind of gets it's going in other places too because I think there's definitely a need or just using you as a resource with your expertise as well as you're developing more and more things for us dietitians. Absolutely. So the other entity of your business is your individual counseling. So talk to me about um, you know like you said you've, you've definitely changed your ways of thought when it came to nutritional counseling and helping others. So talk to me about, you know, your passion about intuitive eating. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this all goes back to why I love nutrition in the first place. And it definitely took me on a really interesting road and journey to get to this place. Um, like I said, I mean, I, as a, as a kid, I struggled with my weight um, pretty severely. Um, and as I moved into like my early twenties and things like that. Um, diet culture was very much something that was very prominent in my life. Um, controlling my weight has definitely been a, at the forefront of a significant portion of my life. Um, so when I went into nutrition, obviously my goals were to understand this 
more so I could help other people control their weight because I didn't understand that that's not really an acceptable goal. It wasn't something that <clears throat> that's that's really widely talked over uh, talked about in um, dietetic circles at this point or when I was in my undergrad. So my undergrad was very much focused on you know counting calories and grams of fat and carbohydrates and proteins and. I think it's really important to have the foundation of the science of how that works. Um, and I actually, I teach some of those classes now, um, and, but I do teach them in a different way with a different perspective than I would have, um, you know, prior to me coming sure. to this understanding. Um, so when I really started to get the non-diet approach, the first inkling I even had at it was, in my macronutrient metabolism class, it was the last semester of my um, of my undergrad, and it was the last class. So it was like a week before graduation. <laughs> and and my my professor brought in um, one of the PhD students. He's now a professor at, at ASU, um, but he's in the exercise physiology side, so he's not nutrition specifically. Um, but she brought him in to talk to us about health at every size and how um, a calorie in versus a calorie out doesn't really work out. And this has been something that I have been thinking my entire life that, you know, I, I follow these regimented diets and you're supposed to lose this amount and that's not what happens. And <clears throat> so for me to hear that the last semester of like the last week of the last semester of my undergrad, I remember I looked at one of my friends who was sitting next to me and we were like, why were, why are we talking about this now? Shouldn't we have been talking about this three years ago? Like what mm -hmm. we're supposed to walk out the door. You just like shattered everything that we believed. So, <laughs> it was kind of like, it, it definitely took me back, but then, um, I knew I was going in for the masters. So I wasn't like, I didn't get too concerned at that moment because I, I knew I was going to be taking courses from the professor that did the research um, that this individual is discussing. Um, okay. And that's, and so I took those courses and I started to realize that, you know, this is, we should not be prescribing diets to people. Um, this is, this doesn't work. Um, and I struggled with that back and forth and back and forth of how, how do I go about doing my job with and be ethical about it um, and still help, help these people who are calling me and wanting help with weight loss? Like, how do I do this? Um, so I started to dive more into health at every size practitioners and more non-diet dietitians. And I mean, the community is, is is wonderful. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm thankful that I had the exposure at the university level to the professors that I did, um, and the exercise science that, um, you know, taught this work, um, because it makes a huge difference for myself and my clients. And again, it goes back to that personal journey of yours, because like you said, it wasn't working. Things were not working for you. So, yeah, I mean, I like, how do you go out there when you know, like, something's not working for you and tell somebody else to do it? 
Like, (laughs) it just does not feel right. No, there's a total disconnect in that. And, and I think, I don't you kind of think there's a lot of dietitians that are scared to, to kind of like look at that and say, this is, this is okay that I don't agree with this. Let's look at what else is out there. So you're kind of aligning how you feel with how you practice. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think, I think for dietitians, there's definitely, there's definitely two camps. There's the diet camp and then there's the non-diet camp. Um, Mm. And I think there's also, well, I think there's three. I also think there's another group that is in the middle and they're not sure what to do. Um, (laughs) And I think it's one of those things that um, when you go through a dietetics education and then you go to practice dietetics as a registered dietitian and you realize that, you know, these equations and things like that, they don't necessarily pan out in real life. You start to question um, the integrity of your entire education, I think, sometimes. And if you push away from that, does that mean that what you, who you are and what you are doing is not valid? Um and it's a t- it's a tough thing to wrestle with. I, I definitely think it is, but I think I'm I'm hoping I'm hopeful in the future that more dietetics programs will talk about mindful and intuitive eating more because the research is there. It, well, that's just it. I mean, there's definitely a science. There's research behind it. I mean, and you explain that even in your own personal social media through videos and things that you try to, I think you kind of educate the public, but you're also educating other professionals too. Yeah. I think it's really important. I mean, because, you know, not every professional has the same exposure to the same research. We just don't. Um, it really depends on, you know, what your program's focus is. So some programs focus more on like community nutrition. Some focuses focus more on clinical nutrition. Um, Some have a much more broader focus. Um, So I think when you come out of your program and you start working as a registered dietitian, or if in my case, you know, working as a registered dietitian and then also getting a PhD, um, what I anticipated when I started my bachelor's degree, um, what I would have thought how I would have thought your education goes from like, okay, I don't understand this. And now it's black and white. I do understand it. It's black and white. I do understand it. And I felt like at the beginning of my education journey, it would have, you know, become more and more clear. And when you get a PhD, you realize everything is very much gray. And when you realize the depth of gray that occurs in nutrition science, um, having that black and white mentality towards nutrition counseling just isn't possible anymore. Uh, that's a great, and that is great because you're right. Well, and don't you kind of feel like when you are in the research and you are in the science and you're in between that, I mean, there's constantly science is changing all the time. And like you said, we can't keep up on it. It It's almost impossible to keep up on the science. So even for you, you probably only saw a small amount in your oh area yeah too. definitely and as a phd you really only should see a small amount because if you're not only focusing in on your one specific focus area then you're not doing your job 
So that's not somebody like a researcher's fault by any means. Um, you know, if they have grants focused on, you know, a certain project, then that's really all they should be focusing on is those specific topic areas. Someone who's a special, like specialized in, um, vascular research shouldn't really know what's going on with, you know, your, I don't know. Kidney function or maybe, well, I don't know. Kidney function would be part of it, but I know yeah, what you're I know. saying. I was, I was like, well, your feet. And I was like, no, that's. I mean, would probably work with that too. <laughs> but, I'm like, but veins run there. So I don't yes, know. <laughs> veins are all over the place. <laughs> but, but no, I, mean, I know you what, you what I'm saying. Like someone yeah. who focuses in on, you know, glucose metabolism isn't going to focus in on, on, you know, renal function or something specifically. Yes, so true. So true. And I think that, you know, when, when the diet, the word diet isn't anything, even if it is as a dietitian or as not a dietitian, it's still a diet regardless of what it is. So you have to be able to be open to different forms of ways to help people along their wellness journey. Absolutely. And I think, and that's, I'm, I, to be honest, I'm trying to stay gray because, you right. know, I feel like if you can stay gray, that you know, you're admitting that you do not know everything. You are always willing and open to learn new things. And I think that's really important. And I also don't want to ever put down or disregard somebody else's experience. And if something specifically that I don't necessarily um, research-wise agree with, but is working for someone... I would never put them down for that because that's just because the research right now doesn't agree with you. doesn't mean it's not working for you. And mm -hmm. I think acknowledging that experience is really important. So how did you get more education about, you know, intuitive eating and what did you, I mean, obviously there, you got that little component in undergrad. There probably wasn't a lot of education in your master's and, in areas. So did you have to seek that out, create that yourself? I had to seek that out. Um, because I mean, and to be honest, I think with a lot of um, topics, I think you have to seek out the information you're looking for. Otherwise, it's not going to just be presented to you, not necessarily. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but as far as the mindful intuitive eating, there is not one course I don't think available um, in the state of Arizona. Um, Not yet. On, you, you haven't yeah, created it yet. <laughs> I'm, yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you guys are listening. I'm more than willing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, there's, there's not one specifically on mindful and intuitive eating, but the courses I was able to take were from an exercise physiologist's perspective on health at every size and getting that health at every size education really opened up the doors to say, okay, well, you know, if, if everyone can be healthy at every size, if this is legitimately what the research is saying, um, you know, there has to be another path than, you know, counting every calorie or, um, you know, weighing your food or any, any of those options. Um, and ex especially when I, I saw research that showed, um, you know, low fat diets and low carb diets are equally as effective, you know, but then you let 
you, you stop observing people for after two years. And I mean, everyone gains the weight back over and over. And like, why is that happening? Um, and we have a very hard time explaining, um, you know, why these things happen. And then I started to delve into, you know, mindful and intuitive eating. Um, luckily, the health at every size professor, it was, it was um, Dr. Glenn Gazer. Um, he, he um, knows Evelyn Trebole oh, okay. pretty yeah. well. Um, so I got introduced to that. And then um, another, another professor there um, actually wrote one of the, um, one of like the little intro snippets about the book for Dr. Michelle May. Okay. Of, um, Am I hungry? And yeah. so I started, I started reading um, their books and I started looking up their research um, because they cite a lot of the research, which then kind of sends you down a rabbit trail <laughs> of, of even more research. <laughs> and so I just started reading more and more and more. And, um, you know, the more I read, the more I realized, yes, this works. And, um, you know, when you're working with clients and, uh, you know, they've had gastric bypass and done Weight Watchers and they're not having any success, well, then, you know, we really, really have to change the conversation. I think for sure. For sure. And then you apply those principles to your own life as well. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> every day. You live it. You live it every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's every day. So it's definitely, I mean, some days more than others that, you know, you, you realize that you're, you know, you're focusing in on those principles, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, for me, I mean, it's made a world of difference. For me, I mean, I'm a recovered calorie counter. I used to track everything. I mean, that's why I, that's why I was studying smartphone applications and weight loss in my master's degree um, because mm -hmm. that's what I was doing. That's what I was living, and um, you know, it it backfired. <laughs> sure. Bad. Do you mind sharing? So. Just kind of, you know, like you shared earlier, you're like you struggled with your weight younger, so. When you kind of switched over, do you mind sharing like how things changed for you personally with your health when you kind of went from the calories counter, recovered <laughs> calorie counter? I like that. To <laughs> yeah, <recovered>. intuitive eating. <laughs> um, so it's, it was definitely a process. You know, you have that, um, like even when you are about to have a, you know, master's degree in nutrition and you're a dietitian, um, you know, you want what you're taught to work. And when that doesn't, that stops working for you and then starts to actually have pretty serious negative impacts like weight gain, higher triglycerides, um, mm -hmm. you know, those kinds of things. Um, when you have that happen to you, you're not really sure what you should be doing. Um, because intuitive eating, uh, you know, since it's not taught, to dietitians at a college level, um, there's not a direct path to learn that and learn those principles of how to um, to incorporate that in your own life, let alone teach someone else until you actually go through the whole process, I think. Um, hmm. I mean, there's, there's some courses now, but back then there wasn't. So. Sure, sure, um, yeah. And for me, like, it just not being so focused on calories, not being so focused on, 
you know, the weight on the scale, being more focused on, you know, how I feel and the things I like to do um, to move my body instead of, well, I need to burn 600 calories at the gym today. What are we going to do to do that, whether I enjoy it or not? Um, You know, that's not a fun way to live. So I have freedom now. That I didn't have your time. (laughs) Yeah, it's an obsession. It's an obsession. You know, you're doing this for a living. So you already have that portion of your day cut out. And then like, (laughs) and then you're obsessed with it on your own. Like it's just, it's, it's all encompassing and all involving. And when you're stressed out because you have to, you know, go, go meet family members out at a restaurant or, you know, you're stressed out because you have to go to a barbecue. Like that's, that's just ridiculous. That's, there's no reason to live like that. I kind of agree. And, and to deny yourself. To deny yourself things because you're like, I, I'm so, it frustrates me when people are like, I can't have that. It's like, why? <laughs> I'm always <Right>. like, why? <laughs> right. And then like, lo and behold, you're like secretly eating it anyway. You just won't admit, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's just, it, and that's the other thing. Like, I mean, I, I mean, I love dessert. I love it. But there's so mm-hmm. many things that like, I thought I really, really liked that now I'm like, this is too sweet for me. Like, I can't eat any more of this. And that doesn't happen unless you remove all the restriction. Because you don't feel like it's, it's like an off limit food and you have to, you have one day to eat it. and That's all you get. Yeah. And I mean, and, and, and to top it off, like I'm married, you know, and so we have, you know, we we eat meals together. And so like sure. removing the stress from that when he's like, you know, can we do pizza tonight? And I don't, I don't need to have a meltdown anymore. Like, <laughs> it's just not necessary. <laughs> so true though. And once you kind of liberate yourself from that, it's amazing how, I mean, you heal in so many other ways too, without oh, yeah. occupying your focus just completely on food at, all the time. Well, and it gives you so much empathy too, which I think is so important. Um, Living this experience, being a recovered calorie counter, getting rid of my activity trackers and like just having the freedom to eat the foods that I want and how much that, you know, my, my body says I should have Um, having the ability to do that. Um, and to be able to teach someone else to do that, that's struggling. It's just, it's, it's so powerful and it's, it's such an honor to be able to do that. I'm sure I was going to ask, like, you know, when you work with clients, do you, I mean, I obviously they're seeking you out for that particular reason because you do kind of, that's the way you practice. So, I mean, most of the time, are they just completely, you know, calorie counters, obsessed with food? Do you have people that are teetering on intuitive eating or, you know, where does it all start for some of your clients? So it's, it varies so much. Um, so for example, I had a client last week. Um, it didn't, you know, doesn't really have struggles with food per se um, or, or particular like history with uh, being overweight or anything like that. Um, but was just looking for like general nutrition information and for him to find out that it's okay to eat a banana 
And if you want a banana and peanut butter, you can also have that. That's perfectly fine if that's what you know you're you're craving today, and that's what your body says you should have. Um, I mean, he was dumbfounded that that was okay. So, I mean, it could be a range from someone just looking for general nutrition information um, that's expecting me to kind of spit out a, a laundry list of restrictions <laughs> to have me yeah. not do that to someone that's struggled with their weight their entire life has been on 14 plus diets and had gastric bypass and not had success. Um, you know, it, it really runs the gamut of where somebody is, but the most important part is you meet the person where they are. Sure. And you have to, you have to yeah. listen to them to figure, out, figure that out. Oh, <laughs> You're yeah. like, where are you? Why did he think bananas were bad? I'm curious because I hear that a lot. Okay. So there's, it's, it's like people think fruit is really, really bad for you and you shouldn't, you shouldn't eat it because it has sugar. So I actually, sugar. I shared on my Instagram stories yesterday or the yeah. day before. Um, I was watching some TV and it was, um, fixer upper because <laughs> you got a little bit of Joanna. <laughs> Good show. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I, I couldn't fast forward through it. And I'm glad that I couldn't because I caught this commercial for Atkins bars. Oh. <laughs> and it was Rob Lowe talking about how if you have sugar um, and protein together, the sugar destroys the good effects from the protein. And I'm just like, no, no that is false. Yeah. That is so I'm like, how could you do that, Rob Lowe? Like, what is? Yes. What are you thinking? <laughs> um, <laughs> But you can't blame the actor, right? Because he just read what was no, written. He's read the uh, script, yes. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. it's, you know, these kinds of messages are what's shared to people all the time. And that's, you know, there's a vira vir virality to inaccurate nutrition information. Um, it's if, if it's black or white, it tends to spread very quickly. And you and I both know very well that nutrition is not black or white. Mm hmm. We probably saw that in your research, too, just with working with different, you know, like news and marketing and things like that, where how how again, like a commercial like that, people for some reason are drawn to. I mean, it's like bees, you know, flies to honey or something. I don't know what it is, but people, they just they get obsessed about things that they see on TV or, or read or see in social media. Well, it's, it's not even just that. It's this other component that we, obviously, we were afraid of death. And if we can kind of limit our exposure to things that might be bad for us, um, you know, that hmm. plays a huge role into it. That's, I mean, that's a huge contributor to like the wellness movement. It's, it's, it's our fear of getting older and, and, and passing away. Like we want to be able to live as long as we possibly can, as healthy as we possibly can. And when, you know, we hear these things like, you know, sugar's bad for you, sugar causes cancer. Um, these are these black and white things that spread really, really fast. I never thought of it that way, but you're, that's totally true as people are very concerned about their mortality at the end of the day, like what they yeah. can do to keep themselves alive longer. I mean, at the end of the day, we all want to, you know, do what's best for our bodies. And if there's any inkling that, you know, something is toxic to us. So, I mean, anything that sounds like a chemical is bad. 
I mean, this is, sure. you know, this is the, <laughs> the, the culture that we live in. And it's, that's, that's what we're working with. And it's gone on a long time. So I know that there's like research that like shows that, you know, thousands of years ago in China, they were restricting gluten for, you know, different purposes. And um, I'll have to, there's a really interesting book on it. It's about how nutrition is tied to like religious beliefs. Oh, and how you, how our views on nutrition are very similar to our views on like politics or religion, how they kind of embed um, in our psyche that same way. Um, It's really interesting. (laughs) That would be, I would love to read that. So you'll have to, if you come across that, send that to me for sure. Yeah, absolutely. One of those subconscious things you don't even realize is happening and it's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so how far, so when did you, so when did you graduate with your doctorate? That was actually almost, well, a a year ago. A year ago. I was going to say, I thought it was around your first year anniversary coming up with that. That's so exciting. Yep. It was, I think it was the eighth. So we're just over it. Just over it. And how much free time do you have now? Isn't it fantastic? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Getting out of that PhD was like lifting a boulder off my face. <laughs> That's <a good> analogy. <laughs> yeah, it hurt. <laughs> I bet it did. I bet it did. Oh my goodness. Well, and you're and you your business is definitely a full-time business for you that you work um, from your home. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I work full time for myself. Um, I do still teach some uh, nutrition classes for the university and for uh, the community college here, which I really enjoy doing. Um, all of that stuff is also online, um, oh, which wow. so nice. I'm. I, I am my own coworker <laughs> most of the time. You're a virtual goddess. <laughs> I honestly, I love it. I, I really enjoy it. I found so many ways that I can interact with people that are online in a way as if, um, you know, we're sitting right next to each other, which I think is really important that we use those tools. Um, I think I probably have a knack. I think, Living so, my family lives um, back east, and I'm in Arizona. Oh, um, oh, and, wow! Yeah, so I'm the only one that really lives out west, and um, so you know, I kind of got used to communicating with people from a distance for a long time, um, and it's just it's become my norm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, and that and that's where I think, don't you feel like this is kind of where our profession is going, though, when it comes to convenience and telehealth and just yeah. being able to reach a bigger population without being confined to your community or where you're personally at? Absolutely. I think it's a huge benefit for our profession. Um, I also think that it's it, it adds a level of comfortability for people. So when I have virtual sessions with my clients... And they're able to sit in their own home or they're able to run into their kitchen so they can grab a product and show it to me. Oh, that they yeah. To I never thought about. of that. There's mm-hmm. all kinds of benefits to, to being able to do this. I think when your nutrition is such a personal experience and especially when you're um, teaching intuitive eating, um, having someone be comfortable in their surroundings is a huge benefit. 
I definitely think that's the, I think that's the way to go. And I think it, like you said, they can go grab a product. They can show you. They yeah, can it's so helpful kind of environment they're in. Yeah, I mean, you just get so much more insight into the person. I think. Yeah, I mean, and if they're doing it on their phone, they can carry me into their kitchen. They can show me what's in their fridge. <laughs> you know, it's just they get so many more questions answered in real time with their own items. Um, mm-hmm. which is so helpful for people. I think the days of like sterile office appointments are going away. I think so. Well, and you know, white coat syndrome and you know, the fear of all of that clinic kind of hospital setting. I think that is going to go away because people don't, they don't love it. They never have. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a fan. I don't like going no. to the doctor's office. I actually, I found a new doctor's office that like they, they did it in a way where it's more like a spa, you know? Oh. So yeah. So I'm comfortable <laughs> to go there, but I mean, I still only go there when I absolutely have to. And oh, I think with nutrition, nutrition is one of those things that people like to put off um, because it, it doesn't ever feel like it's super emergent unless you have like, a situation where the person ends up in the hospital. Um, mm-hmm. And just having that comfortability factor for them. And I, it also gives us a lot of flexibility. So it gives us the ability to, you know, work from our office or so this summer I, I you know, I have um, a desk in my RV that I can do my consults from if I want. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. So it gives you a lot of flexibility uh, that you wouldn't normally have. And I think that's good for all of us. Sure. And how do you kind of get your clients? Do clients kind of find you by word of mouth? Do you? Yeah, word of mouth, um, but also um, social media. So I have a lot of people find me on social media um, that reach out to me. Um, also, there's doctor's offices and things like that that will refer and stuff like that. Sure. Um, yeah. So they, they come favorite? in from all kinds of places. <laughs> they find you. They find you. They'll find you if they want you. Oh, that's yeah. And that's sure. definitely true. They will definitely find you if you have a service that they're looking for. And I think that's mm-hmm. you need to know who your ideal client is. Um, and this this plays into, you know, how I create social media content, too, and how I teach my social media con or my social media course. Um, because you need to know who your ideal client is and everybody shouldn't be for you. So I turn away clients all the time, um, because they're not the right fit for me. And if they're not the right fit for me, I'm doing them a disservice by taking their business. I a hundred percent agree with that. And I think it's okay to turn away clients if they're not the right fit, it's going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you can't do your job. Um, if it's not your ideal client, because you're not going to be able to provide the service that they're looking for. And you want them to have a good experience. You want them to um, feel like they got their money's worth. You want that. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things that, you know, you need to work with the people who, who you can help. And if you can't, if you can't help somebody, then you shouldn't take them on as a client. Exactly. And it's a waste of your time and it's a waste of their time. Yeah. And I would say time is your biggest currency. So do do what's best for both situations. Absolutely. Time is currency. And that's another reason why I just love 
um, the virtual world because I have so much flexibility in what I can do with my time um, and my consulting and everything else. It just it gives so much leeway in a world where there there isn't a lot. Sure. How many hours do you think you work a week? Like, you know, what's your work week hours? Like time frame, like eight to five, or do you yeah. mean like total hours? No, like just total hours. Like when you when you are working, like how many total hours do you think you work? Mm, probably forty plus if we count everything. Because you do the consulting and all that stuff as well, and teaching and yeah. So I mean, it's definitely um, it's a lot what I'm doing, but I am super motivated to to grow. Um, mm-hmm. and push my business forward. And that, that takes time and that takes energy. Um, even things like when you're growing your own business, um, you know, ideas pop into your head all the time. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when that happens, you know, and I, you know, if I'm relaxing or whatever, and I'm like, this is like, I feel inspired at this moment. Um, you know, I just go for it. And mm-hmm. But I'm doing what I love. So it doesn't really feel like work, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I truly believe it. Some people are like, oh, that's just crap. People just say that. And I'm like, no, no I think that truly, that's true. It's totally true. Like if I was in your standard, like eight to five job right now, working 40 hours, that 40 hours would feel like, probably 450 or something. It would feel awful. <laughs> you know? <It> would be bad. <laughs> and this is like, it doesn't feel awful. It feels really enjoyable. Like I get excited. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's Monday, but I'm not sad or upset that it's Monday. Cause like, I enjoy mm-hmm. what I'm doing. I look forward to, you know, doing the tasks that I do every day. Um, and I think a lot of it too is every day is different for me. So it's not mundane. It's not the same. Um, and it has, that has its pluses and minuses for sure. But um, I've always been one of those people that I like to do a lot of things at one time. And this definitely affords me the ability to do that. Um, one minute I'm a secretary, the next I'm an accountant, the next I'm a social media <laughs> manager. Um, the next I'm dealing with a tax guy, you know, it's just all kinds of stuff yeah. that you're dealing with that you don't anticipate until you're like really in the trenches of your own business. Sure. Well, that makes sense. And you are everything. So it does take a little bit of extra time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Bye. by next year, I will definitely have help. <laughs> well, good. That's good to know too, that you will be, you know, thriving and that will be something that you will need some assistance with. Yeah, absolutely. And then that just, I mean, that creates more room for, you know, like possibly a a younger RD or something to like help them understand this particular kind of business and how that works. Mm Because as a student, that was definitely, you know, these were the questions that I had, you know, how do you, how do you run your business? Where do you get your clients? how does this all work? Like, you know, what's it like being, you know, the only employee, you know? So like when you want to, when you want to throw an idea off of somebody like, you know, in my office talking to myself, no, I'm just kidding. 
Yeah. But, <laughs> or, like, like talking to your puppy or. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's definitely a perk, you know, so my dogs are always with me. So that's nice. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, constant love is, is definitely a positive. Yes. Um, Support and love. <laughs> but sometimes it's, it feels a little unnerving because you're alone. You don't have anyone else to talk to sometimes. And, you know, if you're trying to work through something and figure out what the best route is, you know, you really have to know who you are as a person and what you're capable of um, to move forward in those kinds of situations because you don't have a lot of support. I mean, luckily, my husband is super, super supportive. Um, so I have him, which is really, really nice. But. Yeah, that's great. That's very important. You have to have a supportive spouse. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise, when you're like, I've got an idea, it's 7 p.m., they'll be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you're like, no, I'm, I'm watching TV and Netflix. I can't deal with you right now. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I need to talk about this. No. <laughs> you can about this. Can you just listen to me ramble for a little while? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, I'm excited for just to continue to follow you. I mean, I know that you have it's such a great social media presence and that's how we actually connected. And yeah, um, I think you're doing such a great job with just how you provide such accurate and adequate knowledge for people that that need it. And I've learned a lot from you as Aww, well. Thank you that means so. so much. And I've learned so much from you. I feel like you're you're such an open and caring person and what you share on social media is really, really inspiring. So keep okay. it up. I, I thank you for that too. <laughs> well, we're, we're in a good, we are in a good, good company with each other. And I think it's great that we can connect with dietitians like that on a social media space and learn from dietitians on that space as well. So you're the expert in it though. So <laughs> I feel really fortunate to be part of your, your tribe. So well, that's awesome. I'm happy. So, so happy to have you as a member because I feel like those positive connections, um, social media can be really, um, it can be really negative if you let it. Um, mm -hmm. So like forming those positive connections with people and then luckily I got to meet you briefly in person yes like that makes a world of difference it does it does and I'm like it, I even like I think I plan trips now because I'm like oh well I know there's a dietitian there and I could go meet her yes. so I know I need to head your way at some point too because I would love to even spend a little bit more time with you in person and I love that and more that about be you fun. well yes and it's uh, and I but I'm not going to come in the summer, so I'll oh, come no. in when it's Don't cold in Iowa. I let you do that. <laughs> you'd you'd fry. You don't want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I would. Well, I know that I ask you a lot of hard questions. I have some fun questions for you, and I I do. I think it'd be great if we checked in again like next year and just had like a quickie call and kind of see what you're up to. And yeah, that'd be super fun. Thing that are ahead for you. So. Why don't you share with me um, food, a uh, favorite food that you enjoy? Um, can I pick a category? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to go with dessert. <laughs> dessert. I am so with you on dessert. When you said that, I was like, oh, she's my soul sister because I love dessert. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Um, you know, I don't really discriminate on this type of dessert. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, dessert is, is, is my jam. Do you know I have ordered I will order dessert if I'm really wanting dessert I'll do that before my entree and I will eat that first oh girl then, I am with you 
if that's what you want, like that's intuitive eating right there. Like if that's what you're craving, like that's what you should be having. Like sometimes I have dessert for breakfast because why not? Like exactly. It's not going to ruin your day, people. Go ahead. No, it's better than me thinking about it and stalking it for like eight hours. All day. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) I'm with you. (laughs) Uh, Do you have a favorite beverage? Yes. I love matcha tea. I'm obsessed. I love it. You make it at home? I do. A little swirly thing. Yes. I do. I I really like it too. I'm surprised I like it because you know green tea tastes really grassy. I think to me, but matcha doesn't taste grassy to me. I don't know. It why. definitely has a smoother consistency. And you know what? To be honest, because mm-hmm. I've always been a fan of tea, um, it's just like tea in general. I will, uh, you know, that's my beverage of choice if I go out to eat or something. If I'm not just drinking water, um, mm-hmm. and matcha tea, like it, I feel like the caffeine in it is a much more like gradual yes and more relaxing and i feel Mm -hmm. like um it gives me a nice energy but i don't get any like jittery feelings and it doesn't give me i feel like if i drink like too much just regular like black tea or green tea like i start to get like a little heartburn or something like towards the afternoon and the matcha tea doesn't do that yeah, I would agree with you on that. And it's so much, I felt like, the, like you said, the caffeine, it's like a gradual kind of make you get, give you some energy kind of gradually throughout the day. Yeah, because I know I cannot do the stuff with the jitters. I just can't. No, no, I can't focus then. <laughs> I'm like, oh. do you, what's your favorite color? Ooh, teal, like that seafoam teal color. It's everywhere and I love it. <laughs> So is matcha. I think you're. I think you're very trendy. Yeah, I mean, if I could pick a second color, it would be millennial pink. So I think I'm probably pretty on trend. But in my (laughs) in my defense, I like them before they were trendy. So I feel like I feel like that's fair game. It's rooted. It's rooted deep in you. (laughs) It is. It's a pastel thing. I've never been like a harsh like bold color kind of person. I've always done like the pastel pinks and things like that. I remember even a girlfriend in like high school, she was like, girl, we need to get like some more black in your wardrobe or something. You're too colorful. And I'm like, no, I need pastels. Like this is why. (laughs) Well, that's why I loved her. That's why I loved your lip gloss. I'm like, she has the best colored lip gloss. Oh, lip gloss is the best. There's nothing like, like just putting on a good lip gloss and going on with your day. Like, I feel like it's like one of the best accessories. I, hundred percent. I have a ton of them. I bet you do too. Oh yeah. Tons. <laughs> what is your favorite scent? Vanilla. Hands down. Vanilla. I know that's super vanilla of me to pick vanilla, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> super vanilla. Is that a bumper sticker? <laughs> right? I should put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> I'm vanilla because I love vanilla. (laughs) And what brings you joy in life? Uh, Seeing other women achieve food freedom is just, it brings me so much joy to see someone who is so afraid of their food choices to have like, just feel free and calm and confident in their decisions. It just, it brings me so much joy. I bet it does. That's so great. I think you're, 
you're just you just found dietetics and you found your your where you're supposed to be and you're helping so many people so thank you for that thank you for having me i really appreciate it i'm just glad i get to help in this world because I definitely didn't feel like I was doing that as a mortgage broker. So this is definitely an upswing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. Well, I thank you for today. And again, we will check back in with you in about a year. I'm going to see what you're up to. But I will definitely put your social media handles on our show notes. So people can definitely go follow you and reach out and connect with you. Yes, absolutely. Send me some messages. I'm happy to chat with you or give you any advice or whatever. I get dietetic students reaching out all the time and I I love chatting with them. Oh, good. That's good. I love that too. So you're a great fit for that. Well, enjoy your day. I enjoyed this conversation so very much. And Claudia is such a down to earth person who isn't afraid to share her story, show her story and help others along the way. If you are interested in working with her or just being part of her community, make sure to connect with her on social media listed in the show notes. And of course, you can always go to her website, ClaudiaFelty.com to learn more. My website, AnnaElizabethRD, is where you can read my latest weekly wisdom blog post where I share my current adventures, maybe craft up some delicious food I'm eating, and my fabulous music playlist I create for my fitness. I might also include a really delicious Real Deal recipe, and I always like to share with you what I'm loving right now. You will find all my previous podcasts, show notes, and links to things we talked about during all my conversations with my favorite people, and you can also purchase my book from the website. Please connect with me on social media by finding me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest at AnnaElizabethRD. Remember to be great, always find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.